Thank you, Randall. Children's Church can be dismissed. Yeah, I tell you what, that, uh, that, that cornhole game, that was interesting. <laughs> I'm just concerned about the, uh, uh, I guess no be no altar call this. Uh, if we give an altar call, come down that side aisles, please, today. <laughs> oh, boy. Good stuff. I am looking forward to that, though. Looking forward to that. Honey, don't let me forget, we've got to practice this week. Okay. Dust off the old arm here. Turn to uh, the Gospel of Luke this morning, Luke 7, Luke 7, and uh, we're going to continue moving through uh, this study, and I want to go ahead and give you kind of a fair warning. I almost did it this Sunday, and um, just kind of been on my heart lately, and and, um, uh, so Lord willing, Lord willing, next Sunday... Uh, we're going to take a a break uh, from our our study, and I think this one actually concludes. And I'm glad that uh, uh, as I was preparing, the Lord impressed upon my heart. This is going to be a good stopping point to kind of feed us into next week. And so I want to encourage next week. Everybody plan on being here. We're going to do a little special service. I give my deacons heads up notice. Uh, we're going to have the Lord's table. And uh, it's been a while since we've done that. And so uh, we also want to do a, a praise and worship uh, testimony time. So just be mindful this week how God's at work in your life. And, and let's come back in here next Sunday morning and be ready to share some testimonies, how God's at work and uh, maybe a passage of Scripture that uh, He's got you in that's just really been ministering to you. And so next Sunday morning, I want to have uh, sort of a praise and worship service time, and uh, we'll do through song and through uh, just uh, taking time to to share and and lift the name of Christ, and uh, we'll also have the Lord's table. So that's next week. I want to go ahead and give you kind of uh, a notice, and uh, uh, let's just uh, be in prayer for that special service next week. This week, however, we're continuing Luke chapter 7. And today we find ourselves in verses 11 through 17. And if you would, go ahead and look in that passage of Scripture. And we'll begin our reading this morning from the Word of God, verse 11. Now it happened, the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd... When he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. 
Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited His people. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I ask that You would lead us in this time of study, this time of preaching, Lord, that You would be exalted. I pray that You would allow me to be used and Lord, that your word would go forth unhindered. Lord, you know the heart of every person here, those listening via the radio. And Lord, my prayer is that you would use today's message to convict, to encourage, and Lord, to lift and exalt the name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as we gather together today, may we make much of the name of Christ And Lord, may you draw us near as a result. We'll thank you and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We pick up today in our study, and you'll recall uh, Jesus has just healed uh, the slave of the centurion. And uh, he was moved, amazed is in fact what the text said, by this man's faith. And then on the heels of that, uh, Dr. Luke leads us into this portion of the Scripture, verse 11, and it says, the day after. So we know this is the very next day. So again, I I think it's important, and one of the problems when we break this up into small bites, you kind of forget the big picture. But imagine, again, think back with me the big picture of what's been happening. Jesus alone, up on the mountain with the Father, praying, comes back, selects those to be His apostles, those that are going to be the closest to Him and following and to carry out the mission that He has. He's going to entrust that to them. And then all these other disciples and multitudes that had come out from the various cities because, again, the the name of Jesus Christ has begun to spread. The, The things that He's doing, people are hearing about. And so here they've all gathered in this place and they brought out their sick and they brought out those who were demon possessed. And you remember He healed, the text said, all of them. Wow, what an an amazing sight that must have been. And so many of those people now have, they they heard the Sermon on the Plain and, and many of them probably turned and walked and followed the Pharisees back into the religious synagogues. And many instead followed Jesus Christ. And we hear in, the, in those uh, following verses how the uh, centurion sends out representatives to go and, and ask if Christ would come. And then he, he's kind of perplexed and he realizes, you know what, no, uh, maybe I should go. And, and he sends another group and then he finally he goes to him himself and, and he pleads with him. And, you know, you're not, I, I, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. And yet Jesus, because of this man's faith, was amazed. Here was a Gentile man. And yet, the Israelites, those who had been given God's word, he had never seen such faith as this man had. And so he sent his his helpers back to the house, and by the time they got there, the young slave was healed. And so now the next day, Jesus is making his way to the city, Nain. And this is the only place where it's mentioned, though it's alluded to, I think, in Matthew, when he speaks of raising the dead, but... Here it's mentioned by name, Nain. And Nain's about 25 miles from Capernaum. Nain actually means lovely. 
or delight. And I think that was not the case at this time for the mother, but I'm sure uh, after Christ left, uh, it was definitely a delight once again. Notice, if you would, in verse 11, it says that now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him. And a large crowd. So he's got a large segment of his own disciples, because at this point, who knows, there's probably 100 plus disciples. The disciples were learners. Learners. And we are hopefully disciples of Jesus Christ. We are learners seeking to follow Christ and learn, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so here are these folks following, and there's also a large crowd. So there are those that, again, seeking, maybe some that were there to scoff. We know this because of the Pharisees and their thoughts and what the Scriptures record. But there's a large crowd following Jesus. And as he begins to come into this city, Nain, the text tells us, and when he came near, verse 12, the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother. She was a widow. Here you have much people with the Lord. Here, this verse tells us that uh, there was much, much people of the city. Notice it says, and a large crowd from the city was with her. So, I, I, you know, picture this in your mind. Here's Jesus and his followers coming into the town. Here is this large crowd for a funeral procession headed out of the town. And there about the gate, both crowds kind of intermingle. There's a great insight into our Lord and Savior. Here again we see, before he was, he, was, he was moved with the centurion in amazement because of his faith. But here he's stirred in a different way. Here we see he's stirred after looking at the woman. The text says he had compassion. We know... We've been to the funerals before. Some of us have experienced those firsthand in the loss of, of someone dear to us. And you see the mourning and you see the hurt and you see the pain that someone's experiencing and you so wish you could take it away. You can't. But yet here was Christ in this situation. He could and He did. And I know sometimes it's that very thought that is troubling for some people. For some people, it is this troubling thought that, you know what, God could. Why doesn't He? And some of you maybe have asked that very question yourself before with, uh, after losing a loved one, someone very close, near and dear. It, it, a lot of times people struggle with that. As a pastor, when I go in and minister to families during this time and there's hurt, you'll get a mixed bag of response. You'll have some that are, that are blaming God. Why did He let this happen? You have others who, who are very understanding and glorify God in the midst of that. I always encourage people, it's okay to ask why. It's okay to ask the tough questions. It's okay to wrestle through those things. 
In the end, there has to be an understanding, though, that God is God, and God is good. And those moments test that, don't they? Those moments are very trying for those who've walked through those doors. You know what that's like. Yet I've heard many share with me they've never sensed God's presence so much than in those moments. By the way, I didn't give you today's title, Dead Men Do Talk. Dead Men Do Talk. And we see this here in the text. Notice uh, what the text has told us at this point. It says that this that he came near to the gate of the city, and behold, a dead man was being carried out. And again, this is how they would often do in this funeral procession. They would uh, oftentimes it was the day of the death, and uh, they would be a, an, an open uh, type uh, coffin. A lot of times, here's this man, no doubt wrapped. Um, They didn't have the embalming like we did, so they couldn't keep him around for several days, yet he was most likely wrapped in cloth and and, uh, probably spices and so forth and things wrapped in there with him, and he's dead. And this is the actual funeral, and they're carrying him out of the town, uh, again, to outside. And and a lot of times they would use these lime-based open um, uh, tomb-type things that they would often carry them in, and that was to let the the bones sometimes would, uh, the flesh, it would literally eat the flesh and they would begin to dissolve and they would come back later and get the, get the bones and scoop them out and, and uh, sometimes the dust of them and then they could reuse them. And this was a practice in this day. Not everybody did it that way, but there were different types of burial, but probably was the case here because we see uh, some of your uh, uh, translations may say a beer, a bear, um, uh, depends on uh, how you want to pronounce that, but it's this type of coffin. And so here he is being carried out. And this is the only son. Don't miss that. This is the only son of his mother. Now, as if that's not bad enough, it also says she was a widow. Can you imagine the pain this woman's feeling? It's her only son. She's already lost her husband, now her only son. She's devastated. Her world is broken. And as this woman feebly is being helped out of the city with the tears that she's shedding and the, and the large crowd, no doubt this woman was, was well known and, and folks no doubt cared for this, this woman and, and knew her son because you see this large group that's there. And as they're making their way out, they, they see this crowd coming in. And Jesus notices the only son of his mother. This, she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. Verse 13. When the Lord saw her, He had compassion on her and said, do not weep. You think about those words, do not weep. That's kind of a cruel statement if he can't do anything about it, isn't it? But he can. And he's getting ready to. 
But I come to this text and I'm reminded and I reflected upon it as I was studying. And it's a subject that here in America we don't really talk a lot about. And, and I want to take some time this morning and, and, and we're going to camp out on it. Because it's a reality that's going to affect every life in here. And that's death. People don't want to talk about death, do they? You know, people don't discuss death. Uh, somebody made this. Uh, they 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 made this. Uh, they they made this statement. No one wants to talk about premature death. So let's talk about right on time death. All right, let's talk about right on time death. You know, I heard a preacher describing, and he was describing. Uh, I'm going to say me to a T. Because I'm a, a middle-aged guy, and for all of you other middle-aged guys out there, maybe you can relate to this. I couldn't help but chuckle. I, I shared this with my wife. And, but speaking of death, you know, around middle age, we start realizing the body's starting to wear down more so than it used to. And so, uh, you know, we'll, that's kind of that phase where we get into this. I'm going to maybe go take up jogging. In essence, what we're doing is we're, we're trying to run from death, in a way. We begin to realize the body is not what it used to be, so we'll take up some juicing around the middle age, you know, try to get our, our bodies back in shape, you know. We're, we realize we got, you know, hey, 40 to 50-something right in that age, man, this is our last hoorah, we got to get back to it. Get this body going strong, because we don't want to face that premature death. We, you know, body's wearing out, I got to do something about it. So we'll start these exercise programs again, and, and, and we'll start uh, you know, eating different and try to anyway. Some of us do a better job than others, but uh, anyway, we won't talk about that. But really what we're saying is we recognize and we realize the truth is time is running out. The body's breaking down. Our lives have an endpoint. Now we don't don't think about this in the young age. Yet this semester I've been doing uh, a study in in crisis and trauma counseling, and this week's chapter was on death and how to minister to children when death comes to the family. And I'm reminded that death's not a discriminator. One of the case studies we had to work this week was how to counsel to a classroom of kids whenever their classmate, age nine, dies of an illness, of a disease that they had been fighting. That's not a discriminator of persons. Whether you're eight or 80, it comes knocking. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. So let's talk about this. You know, most folks, if they're quite honest with it, they're afraid. They're fearful of dying. They're afraid of dying. 
But this text that we're seeing here in other scriptures tell us that we as believers in Christ need not fear death. In fact, turn with me, if you would, over to Hebrews, book of Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Speaking about the fear of death, notice Hebrews 2.13. And again, I will put my trust in Him. Who? Jesus Christ. I will put my trust in Him. Here am I, the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, He Himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You see, man, all his life is in bondage, in bondage to the fear of death. And there's only one person that can truly set us free from the bondage, the fear of death. And that's the person, Jesus Christ. Romans. Turn over to Romans, book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. And notice in in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit Who dwells in you? I mean, let's think about this. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life, right? So if you're here today and you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit that indwells you, Christ is the example. We have hope in Christ. He's the first fruit. He's the first of the resurrection. And just as He rose from the dead victorious over over death, never to die again, we too have that very same hope. But think about this, gang. We talk about this quite often times, and we make the mistake a lot of times, and if you want to know more about this, Wednesday night we'll be uh, discussing this in our, in our study. I invite you to come out. But we talk about in the moment that you receive Christ, you receive eternal life. What is eternal life? Who has eternal life? Who is eternal? God alone is eternal, right? 
God alone can offer you eternal life. Problem with you and me is that when we were born, we were born spiritually dead in our trespasses and sin. We are, we are in Adam, first Adam. Let me give you the, let me, let me illustrate that. If your grandma and grandpa were never born, you wouldn't be here this morning. We can all agree with that, right? <laughs> if your grandma and grandpa had never been born, you would not be here today. Okay? You were in the loins of Adam. Let me put it that way, okay? Am I getting clear here? You were in Adam. Had children. This is one area Adam was, was, was obedient. Be fruitful and multiply, okay? He, he definitely got that one down. The earth has been fruitful and multiplied, but the result is just as through one man... Death entered in. Sin entered into the world through one man. So has death. And sin has been passed upon man upon man, death upon death, because we all are cursed with the same curse that Adam had. We're all sinners. Ten out of ten people die that are born. Stats never lie. Ten out of ten. Every one of us in this room, if the Lord tarries, 110 years from now, I'll cover my bases. 110 years from now, you'll all be dead. I will be too. If the Lord tarries, we all have an appointment that we will keep. That's reality. I want to talk about this this morning because we don't need to fear that. We don't need to fear dying when we know Christ. And some of you right now, you have family, you have friends, you have loved ones that are maybe at that precipice. And for others of us, we don't see it coming. It's just around the corner. It could be before we even leave today. I know some of you are thinking, yeah, because this sermon's killing me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. But we're, none of us know the hour nor that time and, and when that will come to our door. But we need to be prepared, right? Irregardless. And we need to know from a biblical perspective how to face this. And one thing the Scriptures is teaching us and telling us is that we need not fear it. The old man was held in bondage to it. But when you receive Christ, you received a new nature. The old man's dead. Behold, all things are becoming new. You have eternal life. And we're going to talk about an interesting subject because a lot of people don't talk about this, but Wednesday night we'll get into you not only have eternal future, if it's eternal, you have an eternal past. And I'm thankful I have a new past because my old past was in Adam and the old man is dead. That's death. I have crossed from death into life. And when I receive eternal life, I receive eternal life. I receive Christ. Christ is eternal. Eternal past, eternal future. We'll talk about that a little bit more in Wednesday night study. But the point that I want to make is this. That I need not fear death. You need not fear death. Look at what Christ did here. He comes into this city. Here is a man. He came near the gate. Here's a dead man being carried out 
the, the only son of this mother, she's a widow, and a large crowd from the city's with her. In verse 13, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. Can't you see that? And you see this big mass crowd coming into the town, and I imagine they see the, the funeral coming out, and I imagine Christ probably asked them to step to the side that they might clear a way for this guy to come through, and some probably gathered on that side. And, and I, I can just imagine at this moment this funeral procession's coming down through the road there at the gate, and I imagine Christ just stepped right out there. Seeing the woman, he stepped out there and he put his hand on that coffin and and stopped these men who were carrying it. And they stopped. And here's this open casket, this man wrapped in cloth. And Jesus, again, motivated out of compassion, he steps to that coffin, and notice what the Word of God says that he, that he does here. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. Gain the very word out of the mouth of Christ. The very word that spoke and things leaped into existence. The very word of God that spoke when Judas brought the uh, army with him and, and to betray Christ and and, and he asked, and they all fell backwards. The very voice that, at the Battle of Armageddon, when the, when the troops are gathered, he will speak and decimate. The very Word of God gives life. Gave life again. Notice what he said. Young man, I say to you, arise. Verse 15, so he who was dead sat up and began to speak. <laughs> can, can, can just imagine this. Can you imagine the scene? <laughs> People were crying and wailing, and here are all these folks with Jesus, and he steps out there, he sees this woman with compassion, he stops the coffin, he stops these pallbearers, and he looks and he says, young man, I say arise. And he sat up. Ah! Now, I don't know about you. I'm glad I wasn't a pallbearer because I'm dropping that casket. I'm gone. I mean, really, let's be honest, man. That's, that's, wow. I wonder what he said. I mean, Luke, why did you do that to us, man? It says he spoke, but he doesn't tell us what he said. What do you think he said? <laughs> Who put this onion in here? No, just kidding. I don't know. I wonder what he said. Have some fun with that in your, in your small groups tonight. Maybe everybody can offer up. Go ahead and be thinking about, what do you think he said? And it doesn't matter what he said. You know, that's not the point here. But the point is, he said something. He said something. And he sat up. Wow. Moms... It's his only son. It's our only son. And he sat up and he talked. 
turn with me over to John <coughs> chapter 5. You know, I know there's, there's mom, there are moms here of lost sons. There are those here that have lost loved ones. We didn't experience that at our funeral. Let me give you some encouragement. Notice in John 5, look with me in verse 24. Most assuredly. Now that's pretty confident. You can have confidence in this. Most assuredly, I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in Him who sent me has everlasting life. Not that you're going to get it, but you have it. Christian, if you have heard the word of God, if you have believed, you have trusted your life to Jesus Christ, you've been born again, the Spirit of God dwells within you, you have everlasting life. He who has the Son has life. Notice. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear it here will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself and has given Him authority to execute judgment also because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now that's not a works-oriented passage. But that's telling us that if you have the Son of God, you have eternal life. And there is coming a day when the graves will open. There is coming a time when the bodies will be resurrected. Notice again, what's going to, what's going to raise them? His voice. This passage here in Luke, Luke is all about, again, looking at Christ. And, and Do you see His authority? Do you see who Christ is? Do you see the authority that He has? Who else are we going to go to? Peter says. You have the words of eternal life. There's a time coming. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Amen? And those of us who are alive and remain, and I know you, like every other generation, we're hoping we're in that one. Nothing wrong with that. 
will be caught up together to meet them in the air. We'll forever be with them. There's coming a time, if you've experienced the loss of a loved one, and they knew Jesus Christ, there's a great reunion day. Be encouraged. Jesus has had compassion on you. You may not have experienced it in the moment of the funeral. For those of you facing the days ahead, and again, none of us know what a day will bring forth. Life is but a vapor. Let me go ahead and encourage you in advance. Jesus has compassion. And there will be a day of resurrection. There will be a day of reunion. He has the words of eternal life. He has authority. He said to the young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he, he was dead and he sat up and began to speak. And notice what he did. Notice what Jesus does. Because I can only imagine this guy probably is like, dude, I'm with you. Where are we going next? I, you know what? You can. I'll be glad to testify to anybody. You want to you go do a crusade? I'll get up on the platform and say, hey, let me just tell you, I was, I, I was starting to stinketh. And he, he raised me. I, I'm, I'm here to testify. But notice what Jesus did. He didn't ask him to come with him. Notice over in, in Luke. He says... Verse 7, or I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 15. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. <laughs> he knew her pain, and he had compassion on her. You know, we experience the compassion of God all the time, don't we? We don't even realize it. We don't, we don't even realize how often we... God, who's rich in mercy, gives us mercy. God, who's rich in grace, gives us grace. Man, I'm glad He didn't give us what we deserve. He presented him to his mother. Notice verse 16. Then fear came upon all. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> again, I'm thankful I've got one of those open robes because uh, anyway, that's scary stuff. That's all I'm saying. Fear came upon them all. And they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen up among us and God has visited his people. Wow. I wonder what that scene was like. Ever been in a crowd and something big happened? Like just something just something really big where there was a a gasp. I imagine here there was this, this big gasp and and, and again, this almost a stepping back. Here's this guy setting up and trying to get unwrapped. And, and, and then Jesus helps him down. And 
here's this mom who's just probably at this point so amazed that she, I can't imagine where she's at in this moment. And he presents him to her. And the crowd is, it says that they, fear came upon all of them, but notice what they also did. There's a great fear because they recognize who is in their presence. And it says that they glorified God. They glorified God. When's the last time we glorified God in anything? When's the last time you and I have observed what God is doing in our life or what God has done and glorified God? And that's what I want to take next week and I want us to, to think through and meditate on this week and be mindful of what God is doing in our life. And let's gather back here, Lord willing, next week and let's glorify God for who He is. Now notice some of them said, a great prophet has risen up among us. Why did they think this? What, what, what made them say this? Well, you remember the story in Elijah, 1 Kings. We don't, we're not going to go there, but you can read it in, in chapter 17, verses 13 through 24. And you remember Elijah raised the son of the widow from the dead. And so these Jews knew the story of how Elijah, the great prophet, had raised back to life by God's power this son. And so now they observe firsthand an example of a widow and her son being raised back. So, hey, this is a great prophet! Some thought. Others knew. God was in their midst. Because notice what it says there. And God has visited His people. Now think about this in the, in the text, in the context of Luke's writing. This term, God has visited His people. If you go back to the first chapter, at the birth of John the Baptist, when God opened the mouth of Zacharias... His father, remember, he began to prophesy and some of the first words of that prophecy back there in chapter 1 were, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited His people. And here the people are declaring God has visited His people. This is a fulfillment of this prophecy of Zacharias. So Luke includes that in his writing. Notice verse 17. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. You've got to realize, Judea is south, and it's about 67 miles. All right? Now, they didn't have, you know, little electric cars to drive around. Beep, beep. This is a long ways. So this story has spread concerning this young man who was dead and brought back to life by Jesus. And only did it not only go to Judea, it went to all the surrounding region. Jesus is making very clear who He is. Jesus is making it known that He alone 
has the power to raise the dead. And He will lay down His life. And He will take it up again. And He has. And He offers to us, whosoever will, let Him come. He offers to us that if we will hear His words and respond in faith, He offers us eternal life. You see, God's still in the business of raising the dead every day. Because we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And it's the Spirit of God that quickens. It's the Spirit of God that brings you to life spiritually. Are you alive? Are you here this morning and are you spiritually alive? Has Jesus raised you from the dead spiritually? If you've never turned from your sin and turned to the Savior, today's the day of salvation. Why not before you go out these gates? Why don't you why don't you take time and meet Jesus? As he's desiring to come in, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I know that's in regarding context to the church, to the local church, but there's a principle there, and it's this. He desires to bring life to you, eternal life. Are you going to receive it or are you going to reject it? Conclusion. Death does not discriminate. Only Jesus alone has the power to deliver from death. 1 John 5, 12, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's pretty clear. Either you have the Son or you don't have the Son. John 3, 17 and 18 reminds us, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You know, you can be delivered from the fear of death and you can face it head on with Jesus. And if you're here and you're a believer and you, you, that fear is is, is, is is kind of gnawing at you, let me encourage you. You can take it head on with Jesus Christ. He's already gone through that door and came back. And He cannot lie. He is the mighty God who spoke things into existence. And therefore, His Word has authority. And His Word has told you. His Word is a promise that you can bank on. And there's no need to fear death anymore. When you have Christ. Christ has compassion for those who mourn. If you're mourning due to the death of a loved one or facing that... 
He alone can give you hope and bring healing to your heart. These people reverence God. They glorified God. They spread word throughout the region. When's the last time? When's the last time you really showed reverence? When's the last time you glorified God for who He is? Praise Him, thank Him, and share Him. He's worthy to be praised. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for this message. Thank You for the Scripture passage that shows in an amazing way the authority that Christ has. And Lord, um, again, none of us know what tomorrow may hold. And Lord, I'll be honest with you, and, and even in, in just...